Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Give me one, Lance. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kutch with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Drops it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Out running is Brissett. Outs it all. It's it to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human! Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. All right, everybody. We are back. Part two of the mailbag. We're going to start things off with faithful listener Samuel Culbertson. Fachi, he said, in your opinion, who in this draft makes the biggest impact their rookie year and who has the best overall career? Uh, I would say for biggest impact their rookie year, Paulo Bancaro. I honestly think that this is, I think he's the most ready. I think he hits the ground running, puts up great numbers. Then all of a sudden, you know, you look at like Chet, Jabari Smith, I think they are going to take a little bit longer to develop based on like their frame. Like they really need to put on a lot of size. I think the NBA is going to be tough for them defensively early on. Um, but then also like, honestly, I really like Benedict Mather and Jaden Ivey to be really good, like really yeah. good. So best career is super tough because I have no idea what to determine with Chet's ceiling. Yeah, this is a tough one here. So for me, I think the person that's going to have the biggest impact their rookie year is Keegan Murray. Ooh. And I say this because I do not like Jabari Smith's fit in Orlando as much as I like it in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. So with the rumors that Orlando could take him first and Chet Holmgren is going to go to OKC, I just don't love the guard play in Orlando right now. You know, you got Fultz, you got Cole Anthony, you got Jalen Suggs, but I'm just I'm just not a big fan of that fight. So Don't I Mark Fultz. I know I just so forgotten about it. I had to bring it up. Talk well, about he's actually been he's been decent. I know he's just when been he's, hurt and you know when he, when he came back from injury, he's been all right. But I'll, I'll just say this. I personally believe that Keegan Murray has the biggest impact, whether he's on the Kings or whether he's on the Pistons or even on the Pacers. I think he's gonna have a really good rookie year because he's ready to play right now. However, when it comes to the best overall career, I'm going to put my neck out and say Jaden Knight. Ooh, I can't say you're wrong. I honestly really do think that he, as like a guard and how he is as a guard, I feel like he can have a major impact compared to some of these players that need to have good guard play to be able to have them develop. So, yeah. you know, like Chet is going to be dependent on, on a few other players, but a guy like Jaden Ivey, you know, he can control his own game as well as get others better. So 
I'm with you on that. That's why I, I really think he's going to have a really good career. But, man, it was too tough for me to determine who's going to have the best career out of this group. Yeah, and I think Shaden Sharp's the wild card here. Um, Very wild. Emphasis on wild. <laughs> I mean, nobody knows. Like, nobody. he had the best career? Personally, I think there's a chance. I mean, it just depends on where you think these guys are projected. Like, I'm not trying to, like, say that I don't believe in Chet Holmgren, but I just I just don't see it right now. I just don't see it. And I do not like Palos fit in Houston. I've been pretty adamant about that. So, uh, I'm going to stick with my gut on that, and I could be completely wrong, but I just feel like Jalen Green and Paolo might not be the best fit. That's just my opinion. But uh, let's move on to the next question, Fudge. All right, next faithful listener, David Matillo. Yeah. David, hey, we appreciate you. He said, assuming he stays, is Buddy Heald starting next season or coming off the bench? Oh, he's part of the bench mob next year with TJ McConnell, no doubt about it. I think Buddy Heald, thank you for starting when we were injured, and Malcolm Brogdon didn't play, and Chris Duarte didn't play, but – at this point, this is a youth movement. Buddy, come off the bench. Be that veteran for us off the bench. My hope is that he comes off the bench. I want to see Duarte in that starting lineup again. I don't know who we're going to draft, so we'll see. But, like, I want Duarte to be able to get the benefit of the doubt of, like, hey, you were hurt, but we're investing in you. I think Buddy at this point is should be more than happy to come off the bench. I don't know many situations where he is a starter, but obviously he started, I, I believe, every single game for the Pacers last year when he was on the roster, but mm-hmm. part of that is due to injuries. So I think Buddy buys into the six-man role. My hope is that Duarte is the starter, and whoever we draft at six I think would be all right coming off the bench if it's a guard early on. Yeah, I mean, I think you could even start Duarte with the guard if you take him. You could. Yeah, I mean, if you draft Jaden Ivey, you think Jaden Ivey's coming off the bench and Duarte starting? Get out of here. No, but I feel like I say it's like a Shaden Sharp. Like, he's coming off the bench. He's a project. Yeah, you, you can't throw a man into a starting roster. He's a six-overall pick. Six-overall pick who didn't play in college. That man is going to take time. What? I, yeah, but where are we at? We're not trying to win in the playoffs. Good not, grief. Not to start. I think he could start in mm. the season, but not to start the year. I disagree with you. I think whoever gets picked at six will be thrown into the starting lineup right away. That's know. just how I feel. I just well, – I can't imagine them getting the six overall pick and saying, all right, you were a top six pick in the draft. Now go sit on the bench and play behind Chris Duarte and Buddy Heald. No way. Well, I will see. I, in my opinion, I feel that right. Chris Duarte should be the starting two guard because he would have only lost his job due to injury. And I think at that point, give show that you're investing in this guy because if you're not investing in Duarte and he becomes unhappy, I'm telling you, it's, it's not going to be good for players to want to come here in the draft. Like, work out for us. Right, what are you talking? He's a 13th overall pick. 13th, but like if he started, gonna... he didn't even have a starting job last year. He lost. He lost it when Karis Levert came back from injury. He lost it to Justin Holiday throughout the season. He, he was in and out. He he had his. He injuries. was in and out because of the injuries. But yeah, Field, yeah. Brogdon and Halliburton would have started over him if he was healthy during the times they played. He is a guy that is a microwave player. Now, look, I understand what you're saying. You're trying to invest in a youth movement right now, which I'm trying to do the same thing. But people have said we don't need any more two guards. I understand what you're saying, but if Jaden Ivey or Benedict Matherin, those type of players are there, you got to think. I'm with you. You're not starting Duarte over Benedict Matherin. I'm sorry. Benedict Matherin is a guy that you're hoping can take the leap to be a really great player where Duarte does not have that same level in terms of a ceiling. So, and I also think we're, we've already talked about this before. Duarte can play the three. You don't have to start O'Shea. I think you start Duarte at the three and put the other guard at the wing position there with him. 
I, to me, I, I don't think Duarte is a solidified starter uh, just because you drafted him last year. I think this six overall pick, to me, Foch, is more important than Duarte for the long-term plans of this team. Definitely, but I'm saying I just don't know if the sixth overall pick is going to be gifted a starting role on opening night is what I'm saying. It should be with where we're at. Okay, okay, and I understand where you're coming from. I think that sixth overall pick definitely becomes a starter, but it might not be gifted on opening night. And look, if you want to start Duarte at the three and then start that sixth overall pick, that's great. I'm in agreement with you of saying Buddy should come off the bench. I want Duarte to be able to get that starting spot back and be able to be invested in. And if we can start that sixth overall pick at the two guard, I'm in. All right, let's move on. I'm sorry. Jordan S. said, I think Benedict Matherin could be a potential star in the league with this, uh, with his athletic skill set and overall game, plus a huge steal in the draft. Do you guys agree that this could be the case? There is no player that I have fallen more in love with since the draft lottery than Benedict Matherin. I think the Pacers want him. I think Benedict Matherin wants the Pacers, all right? I feel confident in his game translating on both levels. I'm in love, all right? I'm going to say it. Look, I think if it's between him and Bring Sharp, him off the bench. I, I, yeah, yeah, right. No, look, look, look. If it's between him and Sharp, I've flipped because I feel like we're getting a larger sample side of Matherin and far less questions that I'm convinced this guy's going to be a stud. Bro, I had to, I had to hear that one. It's like, what you're talking about? You want to do our thing to start over? Come on, man. Yeah, but look, I, I look, I, it, just because who's going to start an opening night does not define the next few years of Pacer basketball. I got you. Yeah, no, I think Matherin's going to be a special player. I really believe it. I love his poise. I love his arrogance to a certain degree. I love his confidence. I mean, the fact the guy said, you know, in five years, where's Benedict Matherin? He's setting best player in the league. Love Come it. on now. That's the answer you want to hear. I like the cockiness. Give me a dude that's super cocky, super confident, because that's what I want to see. So overall, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in a full agreement with you. I think he could be a guy that we look back and say, man, he could have been a top three pick. I really do believe he has that type of potential. I got a question for you, though. I did hear that Chet Holmgren made similar comments. Say they said something like, where's Chet Holmgren, you know, two years from now? He said, like, best player in the NBA or something. And to me, there was, like, this this un, this like unrealistic cockiness that came with it of, like, whoa. Like, let's halt the breaks. For Bendik Matherin, I feel like there's something like, hey, a couple years from now, like, hey, man, could really develop. Chet saying it for some reason. It just made me be like, man, I, I, this guy could get humbled quickly. So we'll yeah, see. I think Chad's probably just tired of hearing Joe Schmoes like me and the next NBA analyst talking about his size and his weight and just criticizing his overall game because of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure he gets tired of it, like, oh, I'm so thin. I can't be good. Oh, I'm terrible. You know, like, and there is a video that surfaced where he was like, I'm not a center. People think I'm a center. I can do more than that. You know, I, I do believe that Chet is going to have a chip on his shoulder for sure. I think um, and I understand why. I mean, hey, if everybody was doubting you and, like, bringing up all these major concerns about your body size and all stuff like that, like, yeah, sure, you might look at the camera and realize when you stand next to Javari Smith and Paulo Boncaro, you look like a twig. But <laughs> you, might, you might have all those comps and everything. But look at your game and realize that, hey, the product, you know, speaks for itself. Great shot blocker, great three-point shooter. You put the ball on the floor, good playmaker. I mean, he is a good, talented player. I just don't know how he's going to translate to the NBA in terms of star level. I mean, sure. I mean, come on now. When's the last time we saw a player like him be the best player in the league? So I haven't uh, seen it. 
yeah, we haven't seen it, you know, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. But, you know, good good for Chet. I, I like that he's going to have some cockiness to him because if he doesn't have that mentality, he's never going to make it in this league. So he exactly. has to have that. There should be at least like 30 or more players, you know, maybe it's not 30, but a ton of guys in this draft that should think they're the best player in this draft. Yeah. So best player in the league, look, that could be a stretch, but you should have that confidence. So I at least liked the confidence. But it was like mm, it was borderline like cocky to me. Where yeah. it, where Matherin, I, I kind of felt like, ooh, I'm interested here. So maybe it's a totally different, you know, being biased. But I guess I'm biased. Benedict <laughs> Matherin, I want you to come to Indiana. Absolutely. You you got the next question. Uh, all right. So coming up next, we have Aaron M on on Twitter said, um, "Will we finally get to see Solo Miles, or will they trade him for Aiton or something else before we ever get a chance?" This is a million-dollar question. I mean, come on now, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> you know this better than I do. I mean, there's so many Miles Turner trade rumors that never happen. But at the end of the day, he's on an expiring contract. We know this. Everybody knows this. Miles Turner, expiring contract coming up this year. Do the Pacers want to pay him long-term? Can you stay healthy? All these questions have not changed since the season ended, since he was out with the injury. I personally feel like there's part of them that wants to see what he does, and they'll move him at the deadline if it's not working out. But if the right deal presents itself in the offseason, I do believe they will just make that move and, and, and get that trade. I mean, Chris Lanieri said he wanted to see Miles Turner given that opportunity. But, look, if you feel like DeAndre Aiden is that guy or you feel like an OG and an OB is that guy that's worth trading Miles for because you feel like you're getting better, then you do it. You don't blink twice. You just say, let's do it. And, you know, thank you, Miles, for the seven years you were here in Indiana. But it's time to move on and, and find the person that fits us best as we move forward with this team. So, personally, for me, I think it's pretty much 50-50. But I will say, just to be different, that I think Miles is more than likely traded in the offseason than he's not. I would love to see solo Miles because I feel like this is his best chance to produce. However, we've waited years and years for this. Finally, look, he's, he has that chance at succeeding. It's a contract year, of course, so he has an opportunity to have the best year he's ever had. But going to be honest, if there's an opportunity for eight, just like you said, and Turner's holding up the deal, sorry, but you got to get that deal done because you've already seen more from eight and I, than you've seen from Turner. Seven years well, in. Turner hasn't gotten the chance, Botch. Well, to, to an extent, but at the same point, seven years in, it's a, it's a sample size. We, Say it with tongue you know, in cheek. I know, I know. I know. Trust me. I know exactly what you're talking about. Seven years is enough to be like, all right, we're waiting and we're waiting. Look, a guy like Aiton could continue to get better and better. He's number one pick. Uh, a guy that I, I feel like could still grow in his game. While Turner, we're hoping, could continue to grow in his game. And also, look it's not just like we're committing some money to, to Turner. It's it's literally going to be 80 to $100 million at that point that you'd have to give Turner. And if he's not healthy, can you really just commit a bunch of money just hoping that one day he'll get healthy? So that's the thing. Look, if OG or Aiton are on the table, those are guys that, unfortunately, I like better than, than giving Miles a fresh new contract in a contract here. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Fancho. Let's move on. Dalton James Chubb said, love the show. Just want to know both your thoughts on the chances we move up in the draft. I don't think the Pacers move up from the sixth pick. I do, however, think Ooh. that they get a second pick 
in the first round. Maybe it's a lottery. Maybe it's middle of the first by offering Brogdon, the Cavs pick, maybe 31. Like you have trade chips over here. I mean, Turner could, could be involved. So ideally I would love to get another top 15 pick. If we're picking six and 13 or, or something like that, that's a win for me. But if we're talking about mortgaging the farm to move up two spots, then is, is it that much better than, than getting a second lottery pick if you're dealing Brogdon, the Cavs pick, whatever? I'd rather get that second lottery pick. Yeah, after doing some calculations while you were talking, I think there's about a 32.73579 yeah. chance we move up. So, um, yeah, there's there's a chance. I'm chance. saying there's a chance, and I think there's a good chance, but I don't think there's a great chance. I don't think there's a 50-50 chance we do it. I'm going to put it at 32%, 35%, whatever range you want to put it at. I think there's a one in three chance to move up. It's decent numbers, but not great. I just don't want to get myself excited about moving up if I don't think it's realistic. But at the same time, um, I do believe that if they want that person and they're willing to give up stuff to get it, they will do it. So that's kind of where I'm at, Fudge. And here's what I'll say. I didn't I didn't go through and watch that whole Pritchard press conference and talk about being aggressive to not make some calls. Yeah. So we better be making some calls and seeing if we can, you know, first, you know, Pritchard goes and maybe a little bit of the, the low ball offers and we work our way up and we'll exhaust everything possible. But in my gut, I would say we don't move up, you know, earlier than six. Yeah. All right. Ready for the next one? Ready for the next one. So we got over here, uh, this is Circle One Sports, said over under of two vets being traded on draft night. Well, I don't think uh, three of them are getting traded, so I'll go under here and just say one of them gets moved. Uh, there we go. So, yeah, I'm going with the under two. I think Brogdon's the guy. I think I think Turner, they ride it out with a little bit longer, obviously. Look, if there is an Aiton deal or something like that, Crazy things can happen, but I lean the under because we traded Sabonis, Lavert, Lamb, Justin Holiday, Troy Craig. Like we're almost out of veterans, so I'm going to go with the under here. All right, let's move on to DJ Davis here. He said, "Wouldn't it be better for the Pacers to sign Turner for a three-year extension at 18 to 22 million dollars, depending on games played, and trade Brogdon uh, to the Knicks for Julius Randle or pick 11 and filler, as Turner likely will." get better and we need a power forward especially uh, if Jalen Smith doesn't stay well who says that Turner wants a three-year extension right now when he can bet on himself and sign a four or five-year deal and he hits the market so this this is his best chance to hit the market while he's like 25 26 years old he's coming off making 18 million dollars per year so I think he's likely going to be seeking 22 million dollars plus uh, per year so yeah. I, I do think other teams are going to value him more than the Pacers do. That, that could be a sad statement just because I do think the Pacers undervalue him or some other teams might overvalue him. But as the years go on, I think that value has taken a little bit of a hit. So the thought of Julius Randle terrifies me. Julius Randle was extremely inefficient last year. One of the worst ISO players in the league last year. And he's making a lot of money. So I got no interest in Randle. That 11th overall pick, I do have a lot of interest in. So, look, if there was a chance to deal Turner and you probably have to take back Fournier or Nerlens Noel, and if there was a way to get 11, and we have 6 and 11, I'm in. Yeah, I, I definitely think it makes a lot of sense to trade Brogdon to the Knicks for 11 and filler. I don't want Julius Randle. No way. Yeah. Um, nothing against Randle, but I feel like Randall is just another – he's a different version of Sabonis, right? He is. He, they're, they're, sim, they're in the same type of category. Yeah. Different game, same category. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's just like he doesn't make a whole lot of sense on this team. 
I prefer something else. Um, I understand if Jalen Smith, Jalen Smith leaves, you need some kind of, you know, other power forwards, but I think you can find other options for me with Turner. I just don't think he's worth an extension right now. He's got to prove number one, that he can play the solo center. He's got to prove himself this year and everybody does in the contract year more than likely. So Barring injury, I think Turner will prove that he can be a little bit better, more efficient, more effective as the solo center. I believe that. But at what cost? Is he really worth a long-term extension for 22 to $25 million? I know you said 18 to 22, but let's be real. He's going to want more, more than that. Oh, yeah. Especially with the salary cap going up. So, DJ, I, I think personally, this is a great question. I, I think that you're on the right track here. Like, it would make more sense to go after a, a good center and, and give him a fair contract, which is very Pacers-like, than to go right. out and get a guy that could be a great center and overpay him. So, yes, I understand what you're saying. But at the end of the day, if they don't view Turner as great and they don't want to pay Turner 22 to $25 million a year, I think they need to let him prove it this year before they go all in and invest a long-term deal because at the end of the day, it's just not worth it to me. Yeah, and I honestly think that if the Pacers were to just blindly throw like a three-year extension, Turner signs it and continues to be hurt or doesn't take those steps forward, it would become an ugly situation where a player that a lot of people liked, all of a sudden they start to kind of hate on a little bit just due to the, the salary attached to them and not taking that next step that we've been waiting on and waiting yeah. on. So if there's an opportunity, like just like you mentioned, Brogdon, uh, you know, maybe it's Brogdon 31 for – 11 and we take back a bad contract or two I, i'm honestly i'm in yeah and i think one thing too with turner like I, I really do believe this guys play better when they're in their contract year Always. if you give him the extension early he's not going to play with that same chip on his shoulder i love that prove. point mm-hmm. and, and, and while he still has something to prove with demontis Sabonis not being here like y'all thought you know i couldn't do it by myself watch me he's got that chip on his shoulder but another chip on his shoulder is these guys didn't want to pay me. They didn't want to guarantee that money to me. So I'm going to go prove why I am worth that money. And look, he could still get it from the Pacers in the, in the next offseason, but he could also get it from a Dallas or another team out there that could make a lot of sense. Look, I, I just feel like he has got to have everything lined up to where he has his best season. And if the Pacers give him that extension already, it could make things more comfortable for him with a situation where he doesn't have that extra umph to prove something. Fantastic point. If you reward a guy before, I, it, it could change things. I know some people might not think that, but it there's not always a Danny Granger at the end of the situation where he signs an extension, breaks his tooth on the court against the Boston Celtics and a comeback win the same night. I mean, it doesn't always work out that way. And I'm not saying that Turner's going to get sluggish or anything, but this is a situation you have to wait and see because for the Pacers, imagine this. What if Victor Oladipo accepted that money over there? Exactly. Everything would be different. We have to wait and see. So next question coming over here, we got all of a sudden it is moving over to Reggie Miller's finger sleeve. (laughs) Found it. (laughs) Yep. A lot of questions were shuffling through. He said, following the trades and vision shift of the front office last season, we have clearly entered into a new era of Pacer basketball. Am I crazy for wanting new association slash icon jerseys for a complete fresh start? The last time we updated our jerseys was the summer of the PG trade. Yeah, that was four years ago. I mean, come on now. Beggars can't be choosers. Look, they get new jerseys all the time with the, you know, what is it? The uh, Is it City Edition jerseys that they yep. get? Mm-hmm. The new ones all the time. So, look, just write it out. These white and blue ones are fine. They're pretty cool. Uh, 
They're a lot better than the previous era that we had forever, which was the Paul George, David West era when we went to the conference finals. Those jerseys were ugly. So what we have now is is an upgrade. I think what they've done with them is pretty good. And I really like what they've done with the city edition jerseys over the last couple of years. So, uh, no, I, 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 you're not crazy, but I just don't think it's realistic. Yeah, look, I would love for that. It'd be cool if we get New Jersey's all the time, but it's just not how it works. But I'm with you. You're not crazy thinking that because we do want to usher in a new era right now. We want it to feel completely different and, like, get rid of the, like, you know, we're still trying to recover from the, the Nate Bjorkren era, basically, like that, of that one-year stretch. It's just like the turning point on Pacer basketball, going from a winning team to now where we are over here. New Jersey's, I don't think it really would make that much of a difference, but it would be fun. It would be cool. Yeah. But I don't think it happens yet. Yeah, let's move on. Vince Mapstone said, most mock drafts have us taken one of Murray, Ivy, Sharp, or Matherin. If Kevin Pritchard's guy was a dark horse prospect, who would it be? If we want to go true dark horse, could it be Dyson Daniels, the Australian two guard from the G League that all of a sudden ESPN links us to? Haven't heard anything about that until today. So <laughs> yeah, is he a dark horse now? <laughs> this is you know no. At this point, look, I think it's a like a smokescreen type of thing where it's like I don't know if he's really the guy. Uh, look, I would love for Matherin to be the guy. I don't think that's dark horse by any means because, you know, KP met with him uh, basically on the lottery night and, you know, they've, they've had some conversations. Uh, and Jaden Ivey, I don't think would be a dark horse. Either. The Pacers literally just watched him work out. However, they would have to trade up to get him. So I guess if there was going to be like a true we're going dark horse, we haven't heard anything about, I guess, A.J. Griffin maybe. Yeah, AJ Griffin was one that popped into mind. Yeah. Johnny Davis is another one. Ugh. This is a guy I know. This is a guy yeah. though that is a defensive workaholic. Uh, you know, and it's one of those guys that like played in the Big Ten, had some big games here that the Pacers probably went and saw him play. I just feel like he's somebody I think Dyson Daniels is a good one that they brought up on ESPN today. But Usman Dieng is somebody else to keep an eye on as well. Uh, this is a kid from overseas. I forget what exactly, where exactly he's from. I forget now, but you know, he had maybe New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken, but he had some real buzz, you know, and that as like this guy, the thunder could love at 12. So like, if you, if you're falling in love with guys, the thunder like, and knowing Sam Presti's history, okay, that can make some sense, right? You you go after a guy that, that he liked. And that's where I could see someone like Usman Dieng, maybe being like a dark horse sleeper, but Let's not get ourselves, KP, don't be a dark horse sleeper kind of guy. Just take what the mocks are saying, please. Exactly. Please, just best best player available or whatever, whoever can. You know, you're talking about six right now. Like, who's mom I'm looking at right now? Tankathon has him going 14. You were right, New Zealand. Um, okay. It sounds like a good player, but it sounds like a reach at six. And I don't want to be reaching for really anyone at six. You know, I, yeah. I feel like at that point, it's a really good pick. So uh, moving on, next question right over here. We have Matt Beckman. He, uh, Matt Beckham said, let's say Ivy and Sharp are both available at six. Who do you think the Pacers take? And is it the same who you would want them to take? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Jaden Ivy is the answer here for who I think they would take. And you guys know that for a long time, I've been saying Shaden Sharp over Jaden Ivy. And I'm probably wrong on that. Um, I've been thinking about it more and more. There's just so much uncertainty with Shaden Sharp. After hearing him talk a little bit with his interview with Shams, wasn't necessarily excited to hear what he had to say. I thought, it, you know, just being fair here, just didn't like scream off the page like, okay, like, but he does 
have some interesting things about his game. I, I definitely think he is still such an unknown that nobody can really bank on him. So I, I think for me personally, if I'm the Pacers, I would love to watch Jaden Ivey over Shaden Sharp just because he's an Indiana guy, went to Purdue. I think he'd be more fun to root for. And I think he would be he would bring so much more energy to the fan base than Shaden Sharp. So for me, while I think there could be potential that Sharp's better, I just said Jaden Ivey is going to be the best player in this draft class <laughs> on a question a couple uh, couple questions ago. So I'm going to stick with that. I'm just going to say that I pivoted to all in on the Jaden Ivey uh, bandwagon. Yeah, you can't back down now. So, yeah. look, I'm, I'm going Ivy, and honestly, I'm, I'm doing it 10 out of 10 times because I just think at this point this isn't going to be like a Reggie Miller over Steve Alford where you know, you're letting go of the fan favorite right over here. Like, Ivy can flat out play, yeah. and we have 100 questions about Shane Sharp. And as time goes on, I, I feel like it's a bit unclear if Shane Sharp would really want to be here. I'm starting to hear things like, from his camp of like, oh, they didn't want him to participate in like certain showcases or, or other type of workouts where it feels like they're still kind of like not fully unveiling him. And yeah, I feel yeah. like, you know, and I feel like at this point, we know exactly what Jaden Ivey brings to the table. Fans would love him. I think he would love to be here. And I, I just feel like that's something, man, you combine Ivy and Halliburton at the two guards. I'm sorry, but you got something there. And I yeah. think that, that would be really exciting where Shaden Sharp, like you really don't know. And I don't know when you really will know, because if he doesn't play well at all rookie year, Hey, well, well we knew he was going to be a project. If it's two years, well, he's still very young learning curves deep. You know, it's, it's big. It's like, how many years are you going to wait where I think Ivy could hit the ground running from day one? Yeah. I think this, I think when we had Mark Titus on, he said the NBA game was made for Jaden Ivy. So I think so. You know, as someone who's played college basketball, someone that's watched a lot of college basketball and NBA, I think he has a point and I'm going to, I'm going to stick with his expert analysis on that, but let's move on here. This is a very complicated question here. So buckle up everybody. Chris Drubert said, if Indiana engaged Sacramento for the fourth pick using Brogdon and not the six overall pick, what value would Rashawn Holmes have for flipping? Do you think we can move him in a deal to Charlotte for pick 13? This opens the door for a Turner to Phoenix for Aiden while having four, six, and 13. Pipe dream, I know. Just for clarity, as it may seem odd to get two picks in the big deal, I would include the cast pick to Sacramento and 31 to Charlotte. So the, the, the last part was very key because I do think numerous picks would have to be, you know, moving out there. <laughs> But, you know, I'm not the guy that sets the market for Sean Holmes, but the contract's very good. $35 million owed to him over the next few years. He does have a 15% trade kicker. But for Charlotte, I don't think that they're the team to take on Holmes and give up 13 because they still need to clean up their books to keep bridges. So they also have Montrez Harrell, who I'm not sure he could be a free agent this year. I know they, they made the move for him. That felt like kind of when they couldn't get like Turner, he kind of pivoted over there. So I, I don't know. I don't know if Charlotte gets the deal done over there. So Harold's a free agent. So I guess I guess they, they have a little bit extra money to spend. I don't think it gets the deal done. Do you? No, this deal ain't getting done. Are you kidding no. me? Pop dream, Chris. Exactly. Brogdon and the Cavs pick for this. <laughs> For the fourth pick with not giving well, up pick six? Come on. That part, definitely not. But I, I guess I was, maybe I was focused too much on is Charlotte giving up 13 for, for Holmes. And I don't, I don't think they are. But 
And yeah. on our end, we're definitely not oh. providing enough value to Sacramento for that fourth pick. Oh, heavens no, not at all. So, I mean, even if you got Rashawn Holmes in a deal, I think Charlie could take him. There's, I think that is somewhat reasonable, but for pick 13, probably not. No. So this is just kind of a, you know, Chris, I like, I like that you're shooting for the stars here, buddy, but uh, keep on reaching, man, because you ain't ever going to catch it. So let's move on, Fox, to our next question. All right, we have Rick Magruder. Oh, Lord. Uh, Get ready. Would you trade Halliburton for number four and draft Ivy? (laughs) Okay, so if you have not already seen the interactions with this tweet, Rick, I'm sorry that you had to endure this from the fan base, but come on, Rick. Come on, really? I mean, I get that Halliburton was a 12th overall pick, but you just traded your franchise player for him. You're not trading away your best asset to move up two spots in the draft. No, you want Halliburton to be here long-term. If you trade Halliburton, what are you saying to the rest of the fan? What are you saying to the fan base and to any player that comes here? Oh, we value you enough to trade you right away once we get you. No, I mean, sorry, Rick, you got hammered on Twitter, so I don't want to go too much into it, but this is just a really silly thought. And uh, it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, I would not trade Halliburton for just like you said. Look, people were stunned. Sacramento traded Tyrese Halliburton. I think they would be like, "What is Indiana doing? No yeah. one's coming there in free agency at all." I know they're not getting players, but no one's going there now. They just stabbed this guy in the back after he looked super promising over there. I feel like Halliburton's like the glue right now of getting guys better. I mean, we just heard O'Shea say like. This is a guy that wants to get 20 assists a game. Like, he's looking for everyone. I think O'Shea even said something like, he makes everyone's job so much easier not having to do too much. Like, Halliburton's the key. So he's like, he's what's going to get us to that next level. So right now, let's just let's just keep the sixth overall pick. Let's keep Halliburton, and let's make it work from there. Yeah, absolutely. The, be- the best point guard in franchise history since Mark Jackson, probably, and you're going to trade him after two months? Come on, Rick. Man, you're killing me, Magruder. Let's move on. Dennis uh, Dennis Doctor said, DR, do you, do you think we could trick New York and Sacramento into such trade? This would give Sacramento a shooter in Fournier and Murray at pick six and leave them with a really solid starting five. New York would finally get a point guard in Brogdon and a decent center in Rashawn Holmes. So the trade proposed is Evan Fournier, the Pacers' first-round pick at number six, and pick 31 to the Kings. The Knicks select, or the Knicks get Rashawn Holmes, Malcolm Brogdon, and the Pacers' 60th overall pick from Phoenix. The Pacers get Kimball Walker, Mo Harkless, Nerlens Noel, the Knicks' 11th overall pick, and the Kings' fourth overall pick. Fachi, does this deal get done? Mm. So just to repeat it, the Pacers are getting Kemba Walker, Mo Harkless, and Nerlens Noel, three guys that really have zero interest in, but you're getting four and 11. We're only giving up Brogdon, uh, the sixth overall pick, 31, and, and, and 60. Uh, 60. So we we'll keep the cast pick. And, and the Knicks walk away with Holmes, Holmes. Brogdon, and in the 60th pick. Honestly, this is kind of intriguing. Uh, so here's why I'm at with this deal. I think the Knicks say yes. I think they do too. I don't think the Kings do. Here's why. Evan Fournier? <laughs> If if this if Evan Fournier is taken out of this deal, so no and you way. add in uh, Alec Burks and maybe Obi Toppin, Obi I, Toppin has to be in this deal or or Emmanuel quickly one of yeah, those players. I think to. I think Toppin makes more sense because of position. 
and Alec Burks. So Alec Burks and Obi Toppin to Sacramento, and they move back two spots, and they get pick thirty-one. I think that's the only way this thing happens. But I think it's a good. I think it's a good thought process, and it's a good framework for a good three-team deal. Um, for the Knicks, you know, I think it's pretty fair getting rid of a lot of those bad contracts. Obviously, that's what still, happens, basically. still have mm-hmm. Fournier, but. Uh, because I'm taking Fournier out of this deal and putting Alec Burks and Obi Toppin into it. But now do you think that Obi Toppin's worth pick 11 and to a certain degree for Brogdon? I, I think it would be. So yeah. O- overall, I mean, I think this actually is a decent setup. I just don't think Fournier to the Kings makes any sense. No, because here's the thing. Look, from the Knicks standpoint, just like you mentioned, you you get rid of the last year Kemba's deal, shave $9 million off the books. You get rid of the $18 million owed to Nerlens Noel. You, you shave off like $36 million owed to Fournier. So you get off bad contracts. You upgrade a center with Rashawn Holmes. I think Mitchell Robinson hits free agency. You let him walk. You get Brogdon over there. You know, you, you give up 11, which, you know, it's a little bit tough, but that's the price to pay over here. But for the Kings – I mean, you're you're taking on money in Evan Fournier, who's making more money than Holmes, and then you're sliding back two spots. It, it, it's not great. That, just like you mentioned, their side of things needs to be sweetened. Now, if the Knicks all of a sudden give up Obi Toppin, then you start to ask, hey, are they giving up too much by giving up Toppin 11, you know, for Brogdon, Holmes, you get off some other contracts. So starting point, King, Kings need to get more. The other side of the deal, I think, is pretty good. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt too. Like maybe if the Knicks threw in like that Mavericks 2023 first round pick to the to the Kings, then yeah, something, something of value. It could make sense. I mean, I, mean, I think Evan Fournier could make some sense off the bench, you know, but you're moving two spots back. You want more than just a bench player or a guy that's overpaid at 18 million, in my opinion. So yeah, yeah. that's why I threw up Burks and Obi Toppin instead of Fournier. But like you said, then maybe you're giving up too much if you're the Knicks in that regard, but I, I don't think so. If you're trying to win now, I mean, your starting five would be, you know, RJ Bear, Malcolm Brogdon, Evan Fournier, Julius Randle, Rashawn Holmes. It's not great, but, you know, it's not going to be much better with whatever else you do if you keep the roster intact. So that's kind of where I'm at with Apache. So we have one more question, uh, and this one comes from Destin Adams. He said, so, honest question, if Chet goes – one or two, and one of Jabari Palo is there at three, what's the move you'd offer to trade up for six? All right, first, who do I prefer out of the two of those? Man, I'm still so torn. Jabari, higher upside, Paolo, I think more of a sure thing over there. I really don't know who I prefer. I really would just be very intrigued by either player. Either of them. (laughs) Whoever I end up with, I'm happy with. So what would I trade to move up from six to three, I'm mm. sorry, but it's going to have to be a lot in this situation. Okay, you're, t- you're looking at you're looking at six. You're looking at next year's pick, which 110 has to be unprotected, no doubt. Okay, then then you got to be talking about look, the Cavs' first round pick is in there. I think 31's in there, uh, and then you know you probably are taking on a contract. So that's a lot of money. That's a lot it, of picks. It, it is, but I mean, you're talking about to move up to three. What if you take John Wall's bad contract and oh, absorb it into God. your contract? What if you traded Malcolm Brogdon for John Wall, you swap picks, and then you gave them either the Cavs pick next year or an, or a protected top three protected pick for 2023? So now you're taking all that nasty money from John Wall, but he's it's a, nasty. He'll Just be one a, year, but it's nasty. Yeah, it's nasty. You don't play him. Maybe you maybe you cut him and he goes somewhere else. But you get a move up from six to three. 
I would, I would do it. Would they? I don't know because they might be able to find someone else to, to take that wall contract back. You know, it could get yeah. crafty with it. But look, I would do the deal, but I don't know if if yeah. if, if, if they would. I think I'd have to start with taking on Wall's contract for sure. And by doing that, you maybe penalize them and say, hey, we're eating $20 million of cap space for you, so we're not going to give you next year's pick. That's kind of how I would I look at it. I think next year's pick has to be involved. Yeah, I mean, more than likely it does. Yeah, I can't see a deal without the pick. So I'm just going on assumption six, next year's pick, the Cavs pick, and then we're taking out a bad contract. Maybe we can keep 31, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So if you guys have any thoughts on that, let us know at setting the pace three. But Fachi, those people know where they can find us at on social media. All right. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok at setting the pace. And if you think Reggie Miller is the greatest shooter of all time, say these three words. Let's go, Pacers!